Good morning, and welcome to uh, our morning time as we celebrate our 50th year anniversary. We started last night, and if you missed last night, uh, you missed a great, great launch to our 50th year anniversary celebration. Uh, we had Elder Wayne Searson share with us, uh, and he was a blast. In fact, I'm going to call him from now on a blast from the past. That's, that's Wayne Searson. I loved it. Thank you so much for, for sharing with us. Um, and in fact, uh, without further ado, uh, I'd like to have him come up and uh, uh, share with you a few thoughts and, and keep us going as we move forward. Thank you, Wayne, so much. You're welcome. As we begin this morning, we want to uh, bow our heads and ask the Lord to be here with us in a special, special Sabbath and a special uh, celebration. Kind Heavenly Father, we, we do thank you for your love and your goodness. And Lord, 50 years is a long time. To you, it's nothing. And we're longing for the day when we'll be together with you for eternity. But right now, Lord, we pray that you will be here with us. We're thankful for this church, for all these, these people that attend here, all the people in this community. And through this service, Lord, we just pray that our hearts will be drawn closer to you. We'll become, we'll become more like you. We'll want to know more about you. We'll serve you better, Lord, and we will, we will be the people that you want us to be, ready for your soon coming. So bless us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's my privilege to introduce our first speaker this morning, uh, Pastor Paul Cole. He was the first intern here at uh, Richland, and uh, so that's quite a distinction. He said the highlight was the fact that Ralph Martin, who was a senior pastor, just let him have free reign. He could do just about anything he wanted to as he was organizing the church. And he said it was really fun to be able to organize it the way he wanted to. So if you don't like the way it was organized 50 years ago, hey, here's a guy to talk to, Paul Cole. Yeah. Now, he's done a good job, and we do appreciate his ministry. He and Carol Lee uh, spent uh, one year here, and then they went to other churches and ended up in Bolivia in the mission field. They came back to the States, they did more pastoring, uh, Upper Columbia Conference, Idaho Conference, then they went back to Chile. So they've, uh, they've been around a lot. The last nine years now, he has work, uh, worked for the Oregon Conference as a director for their Portland uh, Adventist uh, Community Services. So he hasn't slowed down, he just, uh, he just has a new direction. But we're just so thankful that he's here with us this, this weekend and that uh, he's going to, to lead us in worship in a few minutes. And, uh, and draw us closer to the Lord. Thanks so much, Paul. In reviewing our past history, having traveled over every step of advance to our present standing, I can say praise God. As I see what the Lord has wrote, I am filled with astonishment and with confidence in Christ as a leader. We have nothing to fear for the future except we shall forget the way the Lord has led us and his teaching in our past history. In 1973, my wife and I and our children came back from Bolivia. 
and they hired us again in the Upper Columbia Conference. And we were assigned to the Walla Walla City Church to work with Lori Purdy, who had been involved with the first series of meetings here in Richland with us. And uh, the next year, 1974, was the 100th year from the organization of the Walla Walla City Church. First church in the Upper Columbia Conference to be organized, much to Milton Freewater's unhappiness. They thought they were the first. And the interesting thing is there was not one person present at that anniversary that had been there when the Walla Walla Church was organized. Here we are at the 50th. And there are several people here that were here 50 years ago when this church was organized. And I don't know that they're all here yet this morning, but I'm going to do what you did last night because I didn't get to see the, all of the ones that stood up. If you were here 50 years ago when this church was organized, would you stand up, please? I think, Sergio, that we should get a picture of this group before the day is over. But I noticed something. Some of us have joined the sporting group. And our age group will understand what I'm saying. The younger ones won't. Some of us have joined the sporting group in that we kind of wear the hard top and white sidewalls. <laughs> when we get a picture taken, you'll understand what I mean. But you remember the hard top cars and the white sidewalls that we used to like to have? <laughs> Where do you start? We have nothing to fear for the future, except as we forget. Ellen White wrote one time that we would do well to spend an hour a day studying the life of Christ. I rather love this book, and you? I love this book. I love to spend time with it. She also suggested that we should every week read Psalm 105 and 106 and 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 to 11. I haven't followed that counsel all of my life. But I read them again and again. Why? Because it was the history of Israel. And they were forever apostatizing and turning away following other gods. And Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 says, these things were written for our example. We need to be warned against turning away. I was interested last night in getting acquainted with Doug a little bit. Hi, Doug. And he said something to me that struck home. He said, We've taken a, a new course over the years, and it was mentioned last night with the music and the direction, but he said, we stay true to the message. That's the point. And who is the message? It's Jesus. I may be old, but my favorite hobby is giving Bible studies. I'm working at PAX, Portland Adventist Community Services, and we 
Some of you remember Dorcas. Well, you have an activity at Portland Adventist Community Services here in the Tri-Cities. In fact, Lee Ellen Bradshaw, who many of you know, came down to, to Portland and called me and said, could I come to PAX and volunteer a day? I said, sure. PAX is kind of like Dorcas on steroids. <laughs> it's quite an organization. And I have had the privilege of the last nine years being involved there. Um, the reason I say I love giving Bible studies, just Thursday, I had a Bible study with a lady who, when I got there nine years ago, made it very clear that she was an agnostic. She was a volunteer. Does our books. When I say books, we have a book store that we sell used books. And she's the lady that goes through them and gets them ready and organized to go on the shelves and puts them there. And maybe a year and a half ago, she came to me and she said, Paul, did you study with David? Oh, thank you. Did you study with David? Another one of our volunteers. And I said, yes. Would you study with me too? And I said, yes. It's interesting. She had a Bible. She'd never read it. She was raised by her mother, who was a Seventh-day Adventist, alcoholic. They never went to church. But she taught her daughter some of the Bible stories and the truth. She said she might be drunk, but she'd be sitting with her Bible in her lap reading. The Old Testament, the New Testament, she loved that book. After a few weeks, I said, let's, um, let's go back to Genesis and start at the beginning. No, that's in the Old Testament. I don't want anything to do with that. And being the ordinary guy I am, we went to Genesis anyway. <laughs> and when we got through with chapter one, she said, wow, that's fascinating. Well, I want to get to a different part of my story today. But Thursday, I had the privilege of studying John 3 with her. Nicodemus, the new birth. And I asked her if she'd accepted Jesus as her personal savior. She says, I think I'm at that point. Don't tell me that. That's time. <laughs> she says, that's what I've been trying to tell him. I want him as my savior. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> History. I can go back to this church. Well, we were in a different church. My first experience, Jason Lee School. Held meetings there. I came with the Bauman Purdy team. And uh, we just finished a series in Hermiston. Baptized over 100 people there in Hermiston. More than double the size of the church. The Lord really blessed. And we came here and there was a certain amount of uh, nervousness in the team. Because this is an educated city. A lot of professionals here. And that would be different than a farming community like Hermiston. But you know, the Lord blessed and gave us a good group of people. And we had the meetings five nights a week. You ready for this? For nine weeks. The non-church members never have a trouble with that. It's the church members that can't put up with nine weeks or five nights a week. But the ad... 
the Adventist group from here that had started the year before was there, and other people from Pasco came, and there was a good audience. And if my memory is correct, we baptized 44 people as a result of that here in Richland, and we considered it a miracle, absolutely a miracle. <clears throat> we were renting <laughs> a church, uh, Ralph Martin, my boss, they asked me to stay here after the meetings were over. And he said, now what your job is going to be, you're going to work with the Richland Church. The Richland Group, it wasn't a church. And he says, every Monday morning, you and I are going to get together. And I'm going to tell you what I did last week, and, what I and how it went, and what I plan to do next week. And I'll do that every week, every Monday morning, and you're to do the same. And you're going to work with the Richland Group. That cinder block church. And he told me, he says, you're going to preach three Sabbaths there a month, and then we'll reverse, and you get to come to Pasco and preach in Pasco, and I'll go up to Richland, because I need to stay in touch there. I think we did that once. The rest of the time, I was stuck in Richland and loved it. It was a fun, I learned so much from this church. I even got in trouble here almost ended my ministry here because I preached a sermon one Sabbath and I still believe what I said but I've never preached it again <laughs> because at dinner time at home I started getting phone calls. Paul, don't worry about what so-and-so is saying. I didn't know so-and-so was saying anything. Don't worry about it. We heard what you were saying and we're praying our way through it. Call after call after call. And that afternoon we had a youth meeting in Pasco. And I called Ralph Martin and I said, Ralph, I've got to talk to you. He said, okay, after the, after the youth meeting. I don't know what the youth meeting was because I wasn't paying any attention. I was ready to turn in my resignation. I had upset this whole group of people that were upset. Well, they weren't, but they were. It, what did I say that was so terrible? You don't even remember, do you, Larry? You probably, oh, no. <laughs> he probably does. But it's okay. Well, after this youth meeting, I meet with Ralph Martin, and I tell him all the phone calls that I had received. And I said, Ralph, I think it's time for me to turn in my credentials and quit. He hadn't said a word during all of this. And then he said, Paul, I'm going to tell you something. I've heard from everybody that you heard from. And they all said you did nothing wrong except the one person that was upset by what you said. And those of you that knew Ralph knew a guy that always popped ideas, always trying something new, and he still has lots of ideas. And I see him quite regularly in Portland. Love the guy. But he says, Paul, you should have seen me when I was your age. I made more troubles and more problems and I'd be in church the next Sabbath apologizing for what I'd done and what I said. He said, but you don't even need to do that. There's not a problem. And then he said, I want you to do all, go work, set up a committee of the folks there and start working toward organizing. I'd never done anything like that. I was just a kid out of school. 
And we met, and I'd tell him what I was thinking on Monday morning. And the next Monday morning, I'd come back and tell him what we'd done this week and what I was thinking of doing the next week. That group was so fantastic at helping plan that organization, and some of them are still involved in this weekend's organization. But you know, I heard the pastor Sergio say last night, we only do this once. That's right, I only got married once. But you know, it's been 56 years since then. And I'm still married to the same lady, and she's the love of my life, and I'm thankful I still have her. The last 12 years, Corley has struggled with cancer three different times. Has a number of other physical ailments, but she still loves me. And you know, I've even been thinking I might just keep her. <laughs> if she'll keep me. Roy and Sue Kruger. I'll never forget Roy. He used to say, we got married on Armistice Day and the war's been going on ever since. <laughs> and I, I was, you know, as a young preacher, you struggle sometimes for what am I going to say? And I couldn't go repeat it in Pasco because Ralph never worked it out for me to go down there. So I had to come up with something new. And I found a book. And I started using it week by week, taking a chapter. It was wonderful stuff. And one Sabbath, Roy Kruger came up to me. He said, ah, oh, I've been listening to your sermons, enjoying them, and I thought, I've got a book on that kind of thing. I'm a, you, I know where you got your sermons. And he didn't criticize me for it. And we had the organization. I want to tell those of you that were here then, when this church has its next reunion, maybe in 25 years, most of us definitely will not be there. I never thought we'd go 50 years. I thought Jesus would come before this. He hasn't. But the message continues the same. We have nothing to forget for the future, or fear for the future, nothing to fear except as we forget our history. We need to look back once in a while, but then keep our eyes looking forward all the time. We can't be hung up in the past, but it gives us a foundation. This church started with an, as a church with an evangelistic series, and God blessed. And this church continues growing I love this building, and I love the new addition, and I've seen the plans for another addition. Exciting. This is the list of the charter members of this church. Most of them aren't here anymore. They're resting. When we had the first night of meetings, we had a good turnout over in the Jason Lee Auditorium, and, and uh, my wife was in charge of the greeters, and she and Ralph Martin's wife were sitting there going through the cards as the meeting progressed. And Joanne started laughing, and she says, some kid is playing. 
Nobody is named cake bread. I'll just throw this card away. And Corley said, no, the guys will want to check it out. She came across another name. She says, no, um, somebody's playing. Some kid's having fun. The last name was Mud. Mrs. Mud was the daughter of the cake bread. <laughs> cake breads were not young. And I remember not long, I had, I, first foot washing we had with them. I asked him if he'd take part with me because he said he was nervous about it, worried about it. He was my brother. And I was just a kid, but I loved that old man. Very shortly, he was in the hospital, sick. And the doctors told him, there's nothing we can do, you're going to die. And I sat with him there, and I said, are you afraid to die? Oh, he says, let me tell you something, Paul. He said, if I had died, had been sick like this a year ago, he said, I would have been absolutely terrified. Because even though I knew there was an afterlife, I, I wasn't prepared to meet Jesus, and I definitely wasn't prepared to meet the devil. I would have been terrified. But he says, now I know what the Bible teaches about when I die. And I know that the next thing I will see will be Jesus, and I'm ready to meet him. And yes, he died just a few weeks later. You know, you look at lists like this and so many things come back to your mind. But I really don't want to bury you out with just old stories. We have nothing to fear for the future. And as the older ones of us pass on and die, the younger ones take over in this church. I am so excited to see the young adults and the children that are here. By the way, we had a lot of children back in that old original organized church. There's a picture out there of me playing a, a little instrument and the kids up in front. There was a big crowd of kids. It was fun. And that's the foundation of the church. You have nothing to fear for the future. Except as you forget not just God's leading, but also his teachings in our past history. Yes, I love this book. It's our hope. By faith, we believe what this book teaches. By faith, we believe that Jesus is going to come back. It doesn't take near as much faith today as it used to, Pastor. The signs of Scripture are being fulfilled around us. You notice it. You see it. And not only us. But as I mix with other people there at PAX and I talk to a lot of folks that come through there to get food or come to our clinic or come just to buy in our thrift store, other people are seeing something's going on. Things are different. Things are happening. Is Jesus going to come real soon? Yes. How soon? I don't know. Might be another 50 years. I don't think so. But I'm not a prophet. Paul spoke as if Jesus were going to come right away. 
And the Thessalonians took it that he meant he was going to come before Paul died. He said, no, 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 no. He knew it was going to be a long time yet. And that's okay. My father was a pastor. And he used to pastor the Longview-Kelso district with, I think, about five or six churches in his district. How things have changed. And he went out to one of his churches one evening, and he took an old man with him who was stone deaf almost. And Dad knew he didn't have to carry the conversation because this old gentleman would talk and talk and talk. And he was telling, you know, I'm 85 years old when I learned this message and I thought Jesus could come when I was a young man. But he hasn't come yet. And my dad leaned over in the car and he yelled in his ear. He said, and he may not come for a long time yet. The man never had to take a breath the rest of the time. He just talked straight till they got there telling dad, no, we're 85 years closer to the coming of Jesus than when I first learned this message. That's faith. That's trust. That's hope in the future. We have nothing to forget, fear except we forget God's leadings and his teachings in our past. You know what? I'd like to be in heaven when we can get together and spend time really getting acquainted. When Sushak called me a while back, and asked me if I could be here this weekend. We took off and talked for about 45 minutes and we hadn't seen each other for 20 years since we were here for the 30th anniversary. Now you know Sue, so you understand. I don't talk much, you know. But, <laughs> but we just talked on and on and on and enjoyed ourselves so much. Isn't that what heaven's all about? Except there we'll be able to talk with our Lord and Savior Jesus too. And I praise the Lord for that privilege. May he come soon. I have the privilege of introducing somebody now. I've introduced a number of people in my lifetime, but um, I don't know that I've ever introduced him before, but what I'm actually going to introduce is a thumb drive. Because Ralph Martin had surgery recently, moved to a new place, and he just didn't have the strength to make a trip up here. We had invited him to ride with us, and that would have made the trip even more enjoyable, but he just couldn't make it. How would I describe Ralph? Wow, I've known him. I was at his wedding. I was at both of his weddings. I've known him since he was in academy at Gem State, and I was a grade school kid. And everybody knows Ralph Martin that's ever been around him. Ralph has that in that voice. There's something in that voice. And when they named me to come here to work with Ralph, I have to tell you, he's one of the most hum humble, egotistical persons I've ever known. <laughs> Some people know Ralph, <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about. I'll never forget one day on a Monday when I came in to see him in the office. He said, um, well, yesterday I had four calls to go to, new, to go to four different churches as pastor. And I was afraid I was going to lose my mentor and my super, supervisor. I turned them all down. 
He said, what I'd really like is to go to such and such a church in California, a big church. He said, I would love to go there. If, if they'd call me and ask me to go to that church, I'd say, uh, can you hang up while I pray about this? Thank you, Lord. Yes. <laughs> but you know, at camp meeting one year, he had a morning devotional. And he talked about his biggest weakness. My desire to go up in the church. <laughs> and he did. Not only did he pastor some big churches, but he became a ministerial secretary, he became a president of a conference and of a union before he retired. And he is a friend to everybody that knows him. Uh, I'll add one more thing. I haven't seen the red come up yet, so I'm doing all right on time. But Ralph, when he got here, he discovered or he heard or somehow that there was kind of a division in the church in Pasco. Happens sometimes, you know, powerful leaders. And I'll never forget when Ralph was telling me about it. He said that within the first two weeks, he had gotten an invitation to eat in each of the two people that led these two groups. And he said, I have this philosophy. I am the in-group, and everybody's in my group. And there was no division in the Pasco Church because everybody was in Ralph's. Ralph informed me when I got here that if I was going to be a successful pastor, I had to get a set of golf clubs. Amen. He and Herm Bauman, Laurie Purdy, and Gary Patterson and a few others still get together every year for their golf game. But they don't invite me. <laughs> I got a golf set of golf clubs, but um, I never learned to golf in their category. There are people that when you meet them, you just fall in love. And it's okay that I fell in love with a man. You could misunderstand that easily, but then I say Larry Van Hess. Then you understand. And last night as I came in and I saw Larry, he was his usual, enthusiastic, shaking hands, greeting people. Wow. And Larry, Larry tells me that he's probably the most unlikely person to be here today because he finished high school, went into the military, wasn't a Christian, and he met Carolyn. She changed his life. She said, hey, you want, what do you want to be? I want to be an engineer. My school, Walla Walla College then, has an engineering program. Not an Adventist, went to Walla Walla College. Met Elder Hubeck. Some of us remember him well. Studied the Bible with him. Was baptized. But when I was here, he was a part of the group. In fact, when he organized the church, his daughter was two months old. Four. Four, Four months old. <laughs> old age gets us all, Larry. Another thing that changed his life, the Richland Church asked him to be an elder. No way, no way. 
but they didn't give up. And he took that responsibility very seriously, and it changed his life again. Larry, come share with us. I've got it right here. By the way, I would have taken my tie off this morning, but um, then he'd have had to take his tie off, and that's kind of special. I can't tell you what this church has meant to me. As Paul said, I got out of high school, I went in the Navy, my dad shed tears. First time I really saw my dad shed tears because I was leaving home, going in the Navy, he wanted me to go to college. He, he, it hurt his feelings a lot, and I went in, and in later day, years, I think my dad admitted it was the best thing to ever happen to me in my life. You know, I, I was in the Navy, never was on a ship. I, uh, I, I became an aviation electronics technician. That's a long name for a guy that tries to keep all those radios working. Became a radioman, sent Morris code when I first missed Carolyn. Every time I'd drive down the road, my hand would be going like this and sending code. I sent code for about two years while I was in the Navy, and, and it was something. And emergency and flash messages because I was protecting all of you from the Russians, and you can be thankful I was there. <laughs> I, I, I got out of the Navy. <laughs> I got out of the Navy, and I, and I just kind of bummed around. I worked for my dad building houses, and... And, and I had no real sense of direction, you know. Uh, Dad was disappointed I wasn't going to take off and go to college, and I met a girl. I was pumping gas at a service station on Highway 30 in Boise, Idaho. And I had, it was cold. It was Christmas Eve, 1961. And I, was wa- I just pumped gas, and I was walking back to the, to the shack, and I heard this clop, clop clop behind me and I turned around and here was the prettiest young lady smiling at me and I said can I help you she said do you have any antifreeze for my horse and that became she she said that was the best pickup line she could think of (laughs) I, I, I dated her a couple times during Christmas vacation she went back to Walla Walla. She was driving down Old Highway 30, turned off on Eagle Road to head north, and you know, you follow these directions, to get it, there's a freeway now. It wasn't there then. And uh, I just cried like a baby, and I thought, I'll bet I'll never see her again. And uh, I wrote her a letter every day, every day. I didn't care what day it was, if I was Saturday, Sunday, I, I wrote a letter every day. My mother thought I was losing my mind. I followed, she, and like Paul said, she said they taught engineering at, at Walla Walla, and so I went up and met with Professor Cross, and he became one of the best friends of my life. Graduated from there and came here, and that's when my history here in this church began. Paul Cole was there. I want to tell you, it was the warmest, most accepting place I could possibly be. I just felt like I belonged. I never forget. Did you like to, you remember when we used to go in gathering? 
I mean, it was, uh, every year I dreaded it, but I looked forward to it. Does that sound, you know? But anyway, it was really something. But I want to call a young lady up here. When I went to school at Walla Walla, I took engineering drawing, and there was this one young lady stepping out into basically a man's world of engineering, and, and she was right in front of me. I watched her, and she's here today. And Udell, would you come here, please? I just want to tell you that there's some question a little bit about how this place really started. And I've been talking to Udell over the last uh, little while, and, and we were talking about you're still a beautiful lady. I want oh, you to know thank that. thank you. And, um, but anyway, she said, I know how that place really started because it started with, with Helen and Wilder Eby, and I want her to kind of tell about it a little bit. Well, those of you who have been around here for a while know that my name was ended with Eby for many, many years, and I'm very, very proud of that. I was finishing college, dating their son, and they attended the Pasco Church. Their son and I got married, lived in Seattle for a year, and they started going to church in Richland. And I says, you live clear up here on Road 100 in Pasco. There's no bridge up here then. You have to drive clear around there to go to church, right past Pasco? Yeah, we're doing it. I said, well, how come? Well, you know, Pasco had a board meeting, and they wanted to get something started in Richland, and they wanted to start a branch Sabbath school. And I said, Helen and Milder, you're the ones to do it because Dad had a practice, dental practice here in Richland. So kind of reluctantly they did it. But Helen said, if we're going to start something in Richland, it's not going to be a branch Sabbath school. It's going to be a church. Yippee! <laughs> That's how it really happened. Over the last few days, weeks, last couple weeks probably, I've been talking to Ralph Martin, and, and he was encouraging me to come, and, and uh, to uh, uh, the guy that I, okay, now, now I want to start another part of my story. My balance is kind of, you know, I, the last three days before I got here, I was uh, fishing for steelhead, and in uh, the Salmon River, the River No Return in Idaho. And if you've never been there, you need to get to go to the town of Riggins and get on a jet boat and go up there. I'll tell you, boy, God was creative. And, and we were going along fishing and looked up on the mountain, and here's a mountain sheep just standing there, just, you know, kind of like preening, just saying, look at me. And several other mountain sheep around there, it, it's amazing. And I even caught a few fish, and it was really good. But... Uh, the, uh, the, the really, you know, the bad thing about it is when I get started on something, I can't remember why I started on it with, when I got going on it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when, when, when I came here to this, to this church, and it, it, this was so important to me to be, really be involved, it was, it was something. And... When I, when I thought the year that I came in 1967, uh, th there was uh, Brent Smith. I don't know if you remember Brent Smith. He left early, and he actually went to medical school, and he was an engineer. He became a doctor, and he died just a few years ago, I think probably about seven years ago, down in California. He worked himself to death. He, he was really something. 
And uh, then and there was, there was um, the Uries, Mike Uri came. He, I think that was the three engineers that really came that year that really got involved here. And uh, I kind of had a connection with the engineering department, Professor Cross, and, and I said, you know, uh, if you have any engineers that are going to be coming over to Hanford Project, would you let me know so I can get in touch with them and make sure that they know that there's a church in Richland? And I did that. And I will say that my claim to fame uh, really is, uh, is a guy who, who has become a very, very much of a friend to me. Uh, and he's the guy that called me and told me that, hey, Larry, you know, I was talking to Ralph Martin. And uh, we said, we need to have Larry come and be a part of this, ser of this service because he was a kind of a spark to this church. Now, I want to tell you something. That wasn't me. It really wasn't me. I mean, if there's ever a prayer that I had was, God, please use me. And he did. And I'm thankful for that. So I want you to know, I stand up here. It's, it's, it's what, what, what special times these are, really special times. And, uh, when I, and oh, one more thing I want to go back just a little bit. And if I sound like I don't know where I'm going, I don't. <laughs> but but when, when I graduated from Walla Walla College with a degree in electrical engineering, my mom and dad were there. And my dad walked up to Carolyn, and he grabbed her by the shoulders. Now, my dad was not a hugger. But he looked at Carolyn and he said, you did for Larry what I couldn't do, and he hugged her. That was really, really pretty special. But the harms, when we, when we got here, if there's any person that I really say, I am so glad that I got to meet, meet him in the engineering building there, somebody said, you know, that Len is going to be coming over to Richland. And I said, well, where is he? And somebody, I'll never forget, that was the first time I met him. Never seen him in my life. But I said, hey, we need you at Richland Church. And man, 50 years later, did I do a good job or what? <laughs> <laughs> but, but I tell you something, I, I'm just going to tell a couple little stories about the special people that are on this list. When, when, you know, you have a secretary that does a fantastic job. When I wanted something, I just called her up, and she'd fire it off onto this sheet, and, and I just uh, think that that's about as great, good as it can be. And all these people, and I have some special things I want to say about some of them. Uh, I'm looking for a name here. It's terrible when I get up here and I, and I go on a blank and, okay. The Thompsons, Dwayne and Carol, they, what, what special people they were. And, and they came over to our house one time and said, hey, um, uh, Anita's gonna get a new little brother here pretty soon. I don't know if they knew it was a little brother or not, but, but Anita came to the house and she stayed with us a few days while um, they needed a little bit of help in their house. And, uh, Anita and I had a really good time. She was trying to teach me how to skip, and, 
she, you know, she'd skip like the way you're supposed to skip, left, right, left, right. I just, I would fool her and I'd go all right or all left. And she'd tell me I'm doing it wrong and she's remembered it all those years. <laughs> Anita, what a special creature you are. You really are. Uh, Carolyn was adopted as a baby in, in Pendleton, Oregon. And at that time, they heard her father was a doctor in Wallawa and had his practice there. And he was drafted into the Army. And, and uh, it was kind of a, an interesting time in their life. And they, later, they came to Boise. Um, the, uh, we, we tried, and I really encouraged Carolyn to try to find her birth family. And we looked and looked, and they sent us all kinds of directions and to Oregon some places. And in, uh, in the year 2000, when Oregon passed the law that they would open up the, the private um, birth certificates, we got a copy of her birth certificate. We found out she's a German from Russia. Roy and Sue Kruger would have really been proud I mean, Roy Kruger, what a guy he was, and he was proud of his heritage. He would have really, really thought that was pretty great. And a story about Roy, there were times that Carolyn and I would just feel like, hey, it's a Farrell's night. We wanted to go to the center over here and have ice cream, and we'd call the different people, and everybody had plans and had plans, and we'd say, hey, Roy, you guys would ready to go and have some ice cream? And he'd say, well, as soon as Lawrence Welk is done, we'll go and have ice cream with you. So what, what good memories that we are here. Uh, this one, you remember the Fishers? How many of you remember the Fishers? Walter Fisher was, he, he, they lived with, with the Vinson, with Joan Vinson and her husband here. And, uh, uh, and uh, Walt Fisher was in a wheelchair. He had worked in the oil fields and there was a fire and blew up and he was burned pretty bad. Just the special people that they were. Uh, they moved, they went, and they lived with another daughter down in Texas. When I left here and went in on a job working for paper companies, I ended, we went and saw them down in Texas. And what a time that that was because they were really special to us here. Uh, Joan used to come over to our house, and we, we even saw the Neztels. I, I saw his name, and he was very much involved when we opened up here. And uh, we went and stayed a night with the Nestels down in Texas at one time. Um, and Mrs. Jenkins, wasn't she something else? I mean, it, it was pretty special to see them. Um, I don't know what year it was, but it was some years back when we came to visit here at Richland. And I saw Terry Roberts, and he's telling me this story, that he would, he would go to Upper Columbia Academy. I think that's right, and if he's around, he can correct, correct me if I'm wrong. But he rode with a good friend of his, and the, the mother drove the car, took him up to the academy, and, uh, and he said that he was trying to think of the type of person that he would want to have for a wife. And he said, I would like to have a woman that's just kind of like my best friend's mother. And then he got to thinking she didn't have a husband. And, she, and he thought that she would make an excellent wife. So he married his best friend's mother. And 
you know, and it's funny because I had remembered that when I got this list, I thought, I wonder if Terry's going to be there. Terry, you look around. I, do, I can't see out there. Where is he? Oh, he's right there, right there. And he's, a, he's amused by me telling this story. Is that okay? <laughs> but I thought that was the neatest thing in the world. But last night I talk, was talking with him, and he informed me that his, his wife had asked him one time, what, what woman might he want for a wife if something would happen to her? Little be known that she was killed in a tragic car accident, and he, he's married to her right now. So it, there's got these stories, and they just, just, they just keep going on. Brent Smith, who came here out of Walla Walla the same year that I came here. And uh, Brent uh, would, was, uh, he, he uh, when, when he died down in California, we went down there, it was really, really kind of interesting because his name was Brenton Smith, Brent Smith, and I always called him Bent Stiff. And that was my name for him, and I used to call him Stiff. Hey, Stiff, get over here. We, we did a lot of things together, had a lot of fun together. When we went down to his funeral down in Modesto, uh, in Riverdale, Riverdale, California, and talking with the family, one of the sons-in-law said, well, you wouldn't believe it. When we got into his computer system, one of his passwords was Bent Stiff. So he, he was the guy. He, he was the guy. We went on cruises together. We had really a lot of fun going on cruises. And one time we were down in the Caribbean someplace on a cruise, and it was my birthday. Somehow he got a, He opened up the door of the John when I was in there trying to take care of business and got a picture, which he put into a, crisp, a birthday card, which they passed around to everybody in the country. So, you know, we, uh, we were just a little crazy. This church was really something. What I liked so much about the Richland Church, it was a very accepting church. You didn't have to... When I was talking with Ralph Martin, and I've talked with a number of people over these past, past few weeks, just to get my mind in line with what really happened here, and, and I talked with Ralph Martin over and over, and Ralph was really something because he was an Idaho boy, I don't know, somehow he had the nickname Tennessee Martin. And I tried to figure out where did Tennessee come out of this Idaho boy. And uh, when I was talking with Bob Bradshaw, Bob said, well, I think he was born in Tennessee. But they came to Idaho, and, and he, um, he went to school there, and, and he was an Idaho boy. But it, Ralph Martin... He just went over and over. He says, Larry, when you get up there, you tell him, I wish I could be there. Even up till yesterday morning when I talked to him and I talked, had been talking with Bob Bradshaw, Bob says, ask him one more time, one more time. And I can just see the tears coming down his face and saying that he couldn't be here. But Ralph told me, he said, Larry, I want to tell you something. He said, you really have a gift. He said, I've heard stories about the CUNA church down in Idaho that you basically did the same thing for them. And I said, you got to be kidding me. He said, no. He said, you know, Larry, 
we had a special group of people there. You just, in, in Richland and the way it's grown, he said, my time in the River, Riverview Churches, R Riverview Church and the Richland Church were the best years of my life. Now I'm sure that, what would what, he say on that? He was at 20 other churches, he probably told that same story 20 times. But he did, he, he was a special guy. I saw him, wasn't that many years ago, but Joanne was still alive, and I, I stepped into the, the lobby there at the Walla Walla Church, and uh, uh, at the college church, and there was a lady standing there, and she says, hi Larry, how you doing? And I looked at her and she says, you don't know who I am, but if you'll just turn your head to the left, you'll know. And there stood Ralph, in the same old grin and a big hug, and that I, I can't even mimic his voice at all because it was all Ralph Martin's voice. But I, it kind of reminds me of one time I was in a grocery store and some lady said something to me on one corner, hi, how you doing? I said, doing fine, or said hi, or said something. And I heard a voice clear diagonal across the whole store, and it was my nephew said, Uncle Larry, I know you're here. <laughs> it was really, really good. But looking at, and, uh, and the Uries, and, and, and Jan Uri told me to tell you she's sorry she's not here today. They had a funeral. They had to attend in Moscow, and they couldn't be here. But uh, the Uries. Jan Uri was a gal that, I don't know, she understood old Larry. And she knew I could stick my foot in my mouth a lot of times. And she would tell me over and over, you know, you're not a bad guy, but sometimes you can be a jerk. So I just want you to know. <laughs> oh, I, I've had people here that I'm trying to remember this, some, some special stories on them. Wilder and Helen. Helen Eby, I don't know if you, any of you remember when we used to have over at the school special nights where we'd have little booths and the Pathfinders could have a booth and whoever, different groups would have booths and they could collect money if somehow, whatever. And somebody from this church, it might have been me, I don't even remember doing it, but went over to the college and got the Van de Graaff machine where you crank that thing up, you put your hand up and you make every hair on your head, on your whole body stand up. And I don't know if you ever saw that. Well, Helen, you know, she didn't put a lot of makeup on her hair or stuff, you know, it just hung down and, and she'd put her hand on that and I mean to tell you, it looked like she was scared by a ghost, you know, it stuck out every direction. Well, business would run down. We weren't having any people come, you know, and so we'd go get Helen and say, Helen, would you come over and put your hand there? And so we gathered everybody over there again and people, we made a lot of money that night. I, it was, oh, I, my Tanya's telling me to put the mic closer to my mouth. I'm sorry about that. But I told him I wanted a mic because I, I don't do well with the ones hanging over my ear. But I, I just want you to know that Carolyn never wanted to leave Richland. I had been going to school for 10 years, five years at Walla Walla and five years here at the Graduate Center and going to WSU. And my boss just said, Larry, keep going, keep going. We pay the bill, keep going. And so, you know, we did. And 
it was something else because uh, when when Carolyn left here, she she shed a lot of tears. You were her friends. This was her church, and when we were back in in uh, in Idaho and we lived in the country there in a little town of Cuna, I, I don't know what the population was, probably 2,000, 3,000. It now has a, um, a, a large church, uh, and it was, it, I think that it got the personality that this church has, and it's really kind of neat. And we used to have a saying, and I think we still do, although most of the old timers are dying now, and, uh, but it was, you don't have to change to come to CUNA, but if you come to CUNA, you will change. When we built the new church and we were having a lot of cars parked around our church on, on Saturdays, it, it kind of impressed the people in town. And the local um, LDS church uh, sent their, um, what do they call them, that they go out and uh, the, the people go door to door, but they sent a whole bunch of the LDS leaders to our to to CUNA Church on Sabbath, and they would come in and they would sit through our service to see what kind of a service we had and everything. Well, we have a saying there, it, and I think it's time for me to shut down. We have a saying there that it 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 CUNA three times and you're a member, and so. Milford Terrell, and you've probably heard his name, really active in, in uh, the camps and, and uh, Pathfinders, but uh, he, he told these guys, he said, I want you guys to remember three times in your members, they came twice and never came back again. <laughs> so I think it's time, I, is that right, 1045? I, I don't have the schedule here, but would you bow your heads with us, please? Dear Father in heaven, what a great and blessed day this is. We come together all these years, 50 years, 50 years, and it, it truly is a blessed place. And we just ask that, that you will be with us on this, this day. So many people have come to share these times with us. We just thank you for that. We ask that you'll bless each one of them, that they'll receive a message that they'll take back to their churches. And we just thank you for that. And we ask that you will bless us this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to take a 15-minute break and be back here at 11 o'clock for our service. So we'll see you then.